Thank you for stopping by the Bluegrass Podcast. Today we're talking with Brandon Lampkin of Raywick, Kentucky about growing up in Kentucky, growing pot, sun-grown cannabis, the Michigan market, and of course, Kentucky cannabis. We're very glad to get the chance to talk, not to mention an incredible chance to get to feature Rapture by Cassie Velasa. She's on tour now and coming out to the East Coast this fall, so friends, check the dates, link in the bio. Thank you so much for tuning in once again. If you can, go ahead and hit the subscribe button on your favorite listening platform, and if you're enjoying the podcast, drop us a five-star review. Also excited to say that the Bluegrass Cannabis Store is up and running on bluegrasscannabis.com, where you can find stickers, t-shirts, embroidered hats with our banjo logo, embroidered patches, rolling trays, and more every day. Grab a piece of Bluegrass Cannabis swag, help us keep the mic on, and spread the word about Bluegrass Cannabis. Plus, you're going to look incredibly cool, so represent Bluegrass in style. Got good, hot, humid weather today. Yeah, this whole week, right? Yeah, yep. Looks like it's going to be a scorcher <laughs> and dry. Oh, yeah. We were looking at it, and it's like this cool summer, I guess, is gone. Yeah. You know, it's it reminds me of 2019. It, we had a real wet summer, and then come August, end of August, September, it was just dry as a bone. I think we, over in Raywick, we recorded the low, and it, it was less than a half inch of rain in the whole month of September. That is not. Yep. Very interesting weather weather patterns going on around here. Well, and to get things started off, would you like to talk a little bit about how you got introduced to cannabis and pot in the first place? Just period, not even growing. Uh, yes, sir. So I grew up in, uh, I, you know, my hometown, Raywick, kind of was the beginning of my journey with cannabis. Um, Growing up there was kind of the central spot for the cornbread mafia. Um, I tell I tell a lot of people, you know, half my hometown served 20, 20 years, five to 20 years in prison for the plant. Uh, I was introduced to it at a very young age around, I think I grew my first cannabis plant around 10 years old in Raywick, Kentucky, there in the cornfield. Uh, so it's kind of been part of my life quite a bit early on um, never thought i'd actually work in it um i had subscriptions to high times magazines and as we all was back in the day we that was the uh you know something to look forward to there uh, when i was about seven or eight i actually met woody harrison at the fifth wheel in downtown raywick and received a hemp hat off him he's handling them out down there when he was having his court trial over his hemp push there in the early, or I guess it was the late nineties. And so that, you know, really intrigued me. Uh, growing up around Johnny Boone, the legend, um, and the Bickets, all of them there in, in Raywick was, you know, big for me and kind of, kind of pushed me in a way that, uh, got me into that industry. Uh, I actually turned that into uh, grain farming when I met with Peterson farms there in Loretta. So I had about 10 years or seven, seven, eight years of, uh, of large scale grain farming. And I learned a lot there in the techniques of how to 
operate big operations with modern farming and transition that into the hemp. And we, we got a, in 2014, got a research pilot program and grew one of the first crops up in Danville, Kentucky, and uh, a seeded crop for, for some vendors out of Colorado. And that was kind of the kickoff from there on. I was like, you know, that's, that's where I want to work. That's what I want to do. Um, I've seen so much good with the plant over the years and with people and how it helps with medical benefits. And so that was kind of my, um, my journey there. So you got this relationship with cannabis and growing cannabis, you go and work in the grain field. What was, so you have this pilot program going on and you get that opportunity. What was that moment like kind of getting the chance to not bring it full circle, but turn the ship around kind of and go back to where you were. Well, you know, it's almost a hundred, a hundred years. I mean, back in the forties, we got the little, the hemp for victory law passed in Kentucky and they grew a little hemp for world war two. But before that it was, you know, you're looking at the early twenties and below when hemp, hemp used to be a cash crop in Kentucky. So to see that reborn and to be a pioneer of it, um, you know, you can't ask for nothing better, in my opinion. Uh, seeing it in Danville, uh, we had a crop probably within 10 miles of their first recorded hemp crop in, in Kentucky State history. So to bring that back was pretty, pretty neat. And then the stigma about it, I mean, we got to see, we got to get landowners involved, uh, you know, and it's it still had the reefer madness approach to it. A lot of people were like, well, it's, it's, they looked as hemp as, as marijuana and just that reefer madness approach to it. We had, you know, several landowners like, well, we don't really want to have that growing on a property and explaining the health benefits, explaining the good of that plant. And then once they actually seen it and then got to see the results, you know, uh, we worked, closely with Charlotte's Webb out of Colorado and uh, seeing the kids take the medicine and uh, improve so much with, with, with our organic hemp. Uh, it, it was amazing, you know? And kind of like you were talking about working with Charlotte's Webb, you've not just worked in Kentucky, but you've worked with cannabis companies from all over the place, Michigan too, right? Uh, that's correct. Uh, so in 2020, I got an opportunity to go to Michigan and get in the legal market. Um, once we got up there, uh, it was, you know, a totally different atmosphere than hemp. Uh, they were an emerging market, but they were starting to mature out as well. So a lot of big names in the game, a lot of big companies. Um, and we kind of went in there in a time that uh, was pretty volatile uh, but man we got to grow a lot of uh, good good varieties we got to do a lot of r&d up there uh, me and my wife and my i took my children up there uh, we got to experience michigan um, the regulatory issues i basically built um, two companies from semi-ground up and one completely ground up uh, from licensing to finished product uh, in in that very heavily regulated market and competition. I mean, there's a lot of good growers in Michigan. I, I met a 
uh, many of them while I was up there. Um, we grew around over 40,000 plants in 21. We was one of the largest outdoor grows in Michigan in 21. And just to be able to do that and, you know, be a local from, from central Kentucky to go up there and grow one of the largest crops was pretty astonishing. Uh, and then got to do it again in, in 21 there or 22. Uh, we had a big organic crop in Southern Michigan that we got to grow around. It was both crops were half medical and half recreational. Uh, but just to see that through was super exciting and, and, and a lot of experience, you know, it gave us. And are you looking forward out of curiosity to like the next year, year and a half, will you be able to, you know, maybe not make as long of a commute to get to your plants? That's, uh, that's, that's our long-term go. Um, you know, I would like to see Kentucky come online and, and go smoothly. Um, we've seen a lot of hiccups in the Michigan market. I think Kentucky can do better. Um, you know, our number one cash crop for years has been, been marijuana. Um, we, we got the soil to grow it. We got the climate to grow it. And I think we got some of the best climate in the, in the country to grow some of the best strains there is. Um, there's a lot of old school strains that you would associate to the cornbread mafia that are still around that are super dialed in for this area. Um, and high producer, high THC, high. Um, so I think once once you start to see some of the local strains, I think Kentucky's going to stand out. Uh, as long as the regulatory isn't such a burden that it strangles a lot of the farms here in Kentucky. Uh, and with the medical push, I, I'm 100% for home grows. I've seen it in Michigan, um, how many people had access to real medicine that they grew. They know what they put on it. Uh, and there's a lot of big players in the game that, you know, uh, I would prefer to grow my own than, than use their products. So uh, education, teaching people how to grow this plant. I knew a lot of big suppliers will push back against that because it's, you know, end of the day, it's about their, their profit margins. But it's all about the plant and what it does for the people. And that's that's where we're at. That's our mindset for, for quality, organic, craft cannabis. Oh, I completely agree, especially with the home grow, just having the right and having the ability. I'm curious because oftentimes, and like in Kentucky, like we saw, we're only going to be able to have indoor up front. You talked a little bit about Kentucky having this great climate and having this kind of unique identity in cannabis. Would you like to talk a bit about why you grow outdoor or what you've seen with cannabis in Kentucky that makes you say that? maybe just someone who is indoor primarily or again like we saw with kentucky you're only going to be able to grow indoor right now that other side yeah so with that what i've seen is you know a lot of people say you can't get as good quality outdoor as you can indoor well that's a yes and a no uh you can you can build glass houses use the full potential of the sun but control your environment um, there's ways around it to get the most out of the plant naturally. Uh, I have seen large indoor grows in Michigan. I've seen them. Um, we actually had a large hemp grower in Louisville, Kentucky that we run. I think it was 14,000 square feet. 
uh, we was producing uh, clones and and mother plants out of that facility for a 350 acre farm in in gravel switch kentucky and with that you know we we could grow our mothers just as good in in a true led indoor facility but we always had higher cbd levels with our outdoor grow we always had a higher terpene production um i mean there's there's new leds on the market that are get you close but like I always say, you can't mimic God. Um, the sun, sun is is hard to hard to hard to beat, you know. So uh, my, I would say a lot. You almost need to look for a half and half, and I believe greenhouse grows and glasshouse grows will be the the future of premium smokable, just because you get a little of both worlds my experience Mm -hmm. and i think like you said especially as a nursery it just lets you get so far ahead of the game yes well yeah and then even even if you are indoor at first and you transition to outdoor that that greenhouse factor gives you days off of you know hardening your plants off getting them to the field uh you just have that better vigor across the board in my opinion it, when we even propagated in greenhouse direct sunlight uh you, you know it's that's a challenge and then growing in michigan we grew in northern michigan uh we had outside temperatures of negative 30 at times and had poly greenhouse going and we did really good with those uh, now we used a lot of propane to keep her warm but other than that, I mean, it, it can be done. And with, with Kentucky's milder winters, longer seasons, uh, why, why not harness what Mother Nature gives you, in my opinion? Oh, absolutely. I'm 100% with you. Like, I'm with you growing outdoors before. I'm like, I'm a lazy person. <laughs> Maybe not totally, but I'm like, plants are already in the ground. They're rocking pretty well on their own. I'm fine with it. Yep. If you got good soil, I mean, this, this plant will do amazing things. Um, I think a lot of people overthink it. Um, we, we taught a lot of, of basically new people coming into, and they were mainly employees, but we taught a lot how to grow on, and, you know, we were doing it on a, um, industrial scale, but we, to improve their home grows, we would teach all our employees, you know, best practices, all the way down to uh, best pruning techniques, when to prune. Just you got to make. It's all about the plant and what the plant needs, and multiple varieties show you know super different characteristics. So you have to dial in what you're growing and get the basics down. But at the end of the day, everything grows the same. You got to have your nutrients. You got to have your water. You got to have your good soil. You have good drainage. As long as you have all that, I mean, you can throw this thing out, take a seed of cannabis, throw it out, and that more likely is going to pop, and you'll have a 12-footer and three or four pounds on it, I mean, without ever touching it. that That's just the way it can grow in Kentucky, and I think it's going to amaze uh, a lot in the industry once Kentucky starts producing large numbers when we get to that stage. Oh, yeah. Well, and talking about that, too, you talked a little bit about some of the regulatory stuff that, you know, you didn't like and maybe did like about Michigan. When you think about what you'd like to see in Kentucky, 
what are some things that you would like to see here or things that would make your life easier as someone who wants to grow cannabis in Kentucky? Um, money, you know, the price, I think they're at almost 30% tax rate on, on plants in Michigan. It's hard. It's hard for definitely small businesses to keep afloat with all your overhead costs. So, you know, regulatory costs on the grower needs, needs to stay low. And then with, um, I didn't like metric. I dived into metric super deep metric certified. We, uh, we overseen around 80,000 plants in my two years in Michigan with metric and we had nothing but problems. And it, if you're an everyday user of metric, you, you'll understand that. Uh, oh. I think Kentucky can do better. <laughs> I think we can, you know, just the, the plastic waste off the RFID tags, you know, we seen truckloads of that. Um, I think we, there's better ways to get around that. And, with price points on that as well, you know, to be able to cut that back. I wish they would regulate it less, in my opinion. Um, they treat it like it's a, you know, still a schedule one drug. And my opinion is that once they back off that, if they ever back off that, that plant will have more full potential and more more money to be made in the industry as well. Some awful rapture of noise held you captured and broke my stare. You said it came from there, up there on the stairs. That mystery back in your feet to climb While I stayed behind I held worry on my mind You don't know how fire works It burns too slow
I'm curious to pick your brain too on, I know that one of the problems we had is not just with the taxes, but just our path to market, being able to put our product on a retail shelf. And I know one thing that would really would have helped us is direct to patient, direct to consumer, at least for smaller farms, if not larger ones. I mean, with Kentucky, with the new legislation, we're allowed to have delivery. I'm curious to get your thoughts on if you think that helped. That absolutely, I was I was a big proponent. We tried to push through for hemp in Kentucky. Uh, pick your own plants. Um, you know, it's super regulated, even on the hemp side here here in the state. But absolutely, if you can sell, if I could have been able to set up shop at my farm and sell at the gate we would have had so much more business and it would have been farm direct to the consumer uh, quality products and absolutely would have made a big difference. Um, so yes, I believe 100% we need to try to push for that way here in the state. Um, if it ever gets that route, then I'll, I, I would expect to see a many of pick your own or basically farm table stores around the state of Kentucky. Uh, yeah, I personally would love to see it. It feels like there's almost two conversations going on. There's that conversation, and then there's the in air quotes conversation of maybe not quite the limited licensing, but the who's going to be allowed. Kind of like you said, the federal law makes it so difficult, but do you think that maybe because there are places like Missouri and even potentially Ohio, do you think border states might create some competition that might change that? Or do you think it's just going to be like, we're going to do what we're going to do as Kentucky? I believe Kentucky going to do what they're going to do. Um, you'll have a little factor of the border states, either with pricing. I mean, at the end of the day, some people are just are just buying the cheapest, low-grade stuff they can get. That's all they can afford. And and I hate seeing that. I, I'd rather them buy quality products that are grown with care and in a fashion that is healthy for them. Um, but, yes, I mean, I think Kentucky is going to be its own animal child in cannabis. Um, I'm hoping we go down the right path. And if enough of us stand up, I believe we can get that route. Uh, the caregiver deal in Michigan uh, really intrigued me. I got to digging into it quite a bit when I was up there. And that was some of the most um, quality cannabis I've seen in Michigan is coming from home, home caregivers. And I, you know, I would love to see that in the state of Kentucky because not everybody's going to be able to afford uh, a license. Not everybody's going to get one. Not everybody's going to be able to compete in a, you know, if if we don't have interstate commerce, then the Kentucky market's going to get flooded quickly. Uh, but end of the day, it's coming down to quality, quality and reputation. And so I think if you stand out there, and then with the home grows, if you give the little man a chance, I mean it. It can build opportunities for multiple communities, not just your bigger players in the game. And I completely agree with you. 
but I always run up against the one question that people sort of bring up and I'm curious to get your thoughts on it or what you would say to people in when I talk about homegrown talk about caregiver they say but what about the black market until the feds get out of the way you're going to have the black market and I don't ever see the black market going away um and that's with any any commodity that's worth the amount of money this is i don't i don't see the black market ever going away it's it's getting it's educating and winning the populace over on your products the quality i mean if you're producing quality cannabis from your farm as fresh as it can get as best as you can grow it and it's top notch and you if you can compete with without all the regulatory bull with the black market then consumers are going to come to you versus the black market because it's going to be um it's going to be more of a it's just like going to the store do you go to your local food food market or do you go to you know a big chain store to me it's if you know that product is better you're going to come back for more versus the black market um but I don't never see the black market going away as well. It's been here for this long. It's going to stay around. I feel that. And like you said, as long as that amount of money is attached to it, it'll just be worth it. Yes. I mean, it's a a lot of people overthink about growing this plant. It's not super hard to grow. Um, And then, then you got the drug trade, which I can, like the cartels and stuff, if there's money involved, they're going to chase it. Now that's who we need to bat out. Uh, you know, the old redneck kid down the street growing a few plants and making a little money off of it ain't, ain't, ain't bad at all. But these guys that are coming in out of state that are, you know, big names elsewhere and a lot of badness falls in behind that. That's where they need to, you know, focus their enforcement at versus the little guys and the locals. I agree. And I feel like we've talked a lot about what people have done right. Is there anything you see in other states, you know, across the board or even in individual places where you really have a bad feeling about it or think that it's a bad idea as opposed to a good um, Let me think on this one here. The worst thing I've seen up north was probably money talks and some bigger organizations get away with more things than little organizations from what I've seen up there. Um, you got to make the, you got to make level the playing field uh, just because one company has the lobbying ability. I don't believe they should have the, a hand up on the market versus the little guy. Um, I've seen a lot of organization from the big money to fight the little guy up north. And I, I'm hoping that don't happen here. But with any commodity industry, that's the route it usually takes. And and I think um, one thing is you can weed out some of that with big corporations by, you know, limiting to um, in-state citizens only, um, limiting grows to you know acreage or plant count Uh, i prefer acreage over plant count 
what we've seen in Michigan was the plant count created more of a regulatory burden burden than versus something out of like Colorado with square footage or I believe Kentucky would go acreage. Um, so there, you know, there's a lot of things and then keeping people in check, there's a lot of snakes in this industry. So, uh, one thing Michigan just passed here recently was if you owe third party vendors money and you're not paying them, well, you could lose your license. I, I fully believe that should be enforced because that'll weed out a lot of your, your phony cannabis companies that are around. And, and I, we seen them up in, up in Michigan. Um, they're, they're thick, but they, they weed themselves out and they're not, they're not in it for the long run. So getting that framework built to where it's an honest, fair game industry in the state is, is key to Kentucky's success. I love what you're talking about just there. I think that's pretty much on the point, just on the nose with what needs to happen for this to work out and kind of like just talking about where the focus is and where the attention is, especially with acreage. It's just kind of like you said with RFID tags, it's such a pain to go through plant by plant. Why not make it in space like every other crop? Yep. Yep. I mean, at the end of the day, in the long term, I'd like to see it no different than a tomato plant. <laughs> I don't think it'll ever get to that point because I believe once they get the right, you know, we've made a big step just to get it legal. I mean, 10 years ago, this we wouldn't even be talking about this in, in the state of Kentucky, you know, um, he, he was a criminal. And, you know, the, the guys that I made good friends with in Michigan, they where they have been legal for, for a while now, you know, they're like, what gets, you know, a couple ounces down there. I was like, yeah, it's a felony charge. They're like, what? Like, I'm like yeah over a half ounce we're a felony charge and you know that's once the stigma gets broken and the job opportunities out there i mean i've seen that in michigan um, a lot of job opportunities uh potential growth across the board but it needs to be done right where these people you know they change their industries I, and i've seen this a lot they change their industries change their life get up there you know dedicate their their time to a a new company, a new cannabis company. We're all pioneers in, the, in this young industry. But at the same time, if they're not in it for the long term go, then they end up burning these people. And I, and I've seen that up in Michigan. And I'm sad. You've seen people, you know, give their everything and then just to turn around and the company go belly up because they've, they did bad decisions. The regulatory work wasn't there to benefit the company. Uh, you know, bad management all the way down to, you know, uh, just multiple factors, mm -hmm. uh, corruption across the board. You know, yeah, we got to make sure Kentucky and, and this comes back every time is a, is a fair, clean, uh, growing state for cannabis. This, you know, I believe Kentucky can lead the way. Uh, let's make us the flagship state versus all the mistakes these other states have made. And we've seen their, their hurt and struggles. So a little bit less of a serious question for you now, what are some things that you've been enjoying growing or you've been growing for so long? Is there anything in your garden you enjoy or that you really love? So this year, me and my wife have uh, grown two big patches of sunflowers. 
Now I've grown sunflowers with every cannabis crop I've I've grown. Um, so, but this year we went in more of a specialty sunflower mix, and uh, there's something about them sunflowers that's just very peaceful. And definitely when you get to grow up with your kids and your wife. Um, but it acts similar to a cannabis plant. Uh, they don't require a lot of maintenance outside. Uh, you feed them right, don't overwater them, and you get 14 foot tall sunflowers and they're beautiful. And what you were talking a little bit, I think you said you planted them with the cannabis plants. Uh, so yes. So every, my hemp crops all the way to my cannabis crops, I've had sh- strips of sunflowers. Uh, we used them up North. It's a whole lot flatter in Michigan. The, the way the land lays is, is super flat. Um, we used them as a as a wildlife buffer not only does it pull in some beneficials but it keeps the birds away from roosting on your plants um had very good success out of that basically you give them an area to go hang out versus your cannabis plants and then then you bring in all the wildlife and your beneficials as well so it's it's kind of a double bang for your buck i like that a lot yeah and we had really good success and it makes beautiful pictures as well. Oh, I'm sure the pictures are phenomenal. We did a similar thing with a little sacrifice patch for the crow and the deer. But like you said, if you give them something to perch on or something to go over to, they'll leave your stuff alone for the most. Yep. Yep. We had a large population of doves on one of our 35 acre crops up in Michigan. And uh, sunflowers did a really good job of keeping a majority of them birds off our crop. And I don't know if you use any products yourself, but is there any sort of like, do you enjoy flour, hash, topicals, edibles? Is there anything that you really enjoy in terms of products? I'm old school. Flyer is always number one, in my opinion. Uh, edibles, you know, that's that's a large market in Michigan. Uh, I believe it's, you know, and with Kentucky's legislation right now, it's going to be a large part in in the medical, um, the first get-go of Kentucky there. So I believe that's going to be a big thing. Um, I never really got into hash too much. Um, just wasn't, wasn't my thing. But other than that, I'm kind of, like I said, old school. I, I like the flyer. I'm with you on that. What do you like to smoke? Same thing every time. Do you like trying what's coming out? What do you enjoy? I'm super. Um, I like. I'm, I'm about like craft beer. I like trying different craft beers all the time. Right? Um, and with the smokes, the same way. Basically, um, you get something new all the time. Try it out and see how it, how it goes. You know. And has there been anything this year that stood out to you where you're like, wow? that was really phenomenal like either it was grown really well or it was new i'm always chasing the old school stuff we had a strain and you've probably heard of it before here in central kentucky puking red um, mm-hmm. that's not been around for a while uh, that was probably one of my first cannabis um, smokes i've had and is nothing like it. it. It was been bred here. It was bred over in Raywick, and it's it's phenomenal. Um, 
that's what I'm after. I've yet to find Michigan don't have it. I can tell you that. Um, we've had it around here in spurts. Uh, you know, a lot of people are holding on to the genetics and won't let go. But I, I believe when that comes out, that'd probably be one of my favorites. And I always like to give people a little bit of time for this, too. Are there any projects that you'd like to talk about that you're working on or events you're going to be at or products you've got coming out on the market that you'd like to shout out or let people know about? So we're transitioning over until until we see the regulatory stance here in Kentucky for, for medical marijuana. Uh, we're getting more into organic vegetables uh, here this year and and in the future. So we're we're trying to tap into local restaurants and areas of that for this for our organic. We should be certified by next year on uh, with the USDA and uh, also selling sunflowers. We've uh, my daughter has been selling sunflowers and I think we're going to turn that into a little bit more of, on the business side. Um, coming into the foreseeable future for Kentucky, we have some plans on trying to get our, our foot in the door and establishing uh, some greenhouse groves. Uh, either for genetics, we've uh, genetics and propagation. Uh, we did a very good job at cloning up in Michigan and in the hemp industry in the early 2019. Um, we've produced over 2 million clones since then. And so I think that propagation is probably going to be our, our key into the industry if it allows at that point. Uh, finished product, we haven't done much of that. Uh, you know, don't know what the future holds, but one day if we can ever get legislation for farm farm sale, then we would definitely go down that route. Get a lamp lampkin reserve going. Uh with something like that. <laughs> And if they wanted to get in contact with you about the sunflowers or the fresh vegetables, what would be a good way to do? Uh, so either on LinkedIn, um, I'm always on there. You can direct message me or um, you can hit my email up and that's brandonlampkin at gmail.com. And before I let you go, Brandon, was there anything that you wanted to talk about or get the chance to spit uh, no, you know, I, I think with Kentucky going legal, I think it's an exciting time for all of us. Um, I think we all need to fight for what's right, fight for for the best for this, you know, new, new, uh, newly formed industry that's about to happen. And um, I hope everybody does good in it. And I hope it, I hope the state, like I said, learns from other states and we do it right. And and Kentucky leads the way with, with medical marijuana and eventually, you know, recreational once we get to that point. Thank you so much for once again tuning in. Don't forget to check out Brandon Sunflowers and Cassie's new tour, links in the bio. If you'd like to follow Bluegrass Cannabis on social media, links are in the description as well as the Bluegrass Cannabis Country Store where you can pick up shirts, hats, rolling trays, and more all featuring some incredible graphics on bluegrasscannabis.com. Thank you for listening to the Bluegrass Podcast. 
Until next time.